Welcome to the Suda Manager. It's Fonger News, Friday, March 20th, episode 31. Originally, my March Madness special is now my March Sadness edition. March is my favorite month, the greatest three weeks in sports, the NCAA tournament, spring training, CIF basketball playoffs, and for the last 20 years, celebrating my marriage with Maria. I get excited for March. I don't work on Thursdays and Fridays. Today's Friday. I'm doing a podcast. I should be at a basketball game. But there's a reason why this podcast is called The Student Manager. I'm a fan. I have passion and a junkie for college hoops. Last week, I had a date at the Honda Center Thursday night to watch my alma mater, Long Beach State, open up against the Big West Conference tournament favorite, UC Irvine. Today, my plan was to be in Sacramento for West Region's second round, where I had Russ Turner and his anteaters trying to upset what I thought was the number two seed, San Diego State. And next Thursday was taking Joshua to another Sweet 16 at the Staples Center in Los Angeles. What a difference a week makes. Times have changed. As I tell my kids, besides celebrating my 20th year anniversary earlier this month, this has been the worst March I've experienced and will go down in history and be remembered forever. However, it's not about me. COVID-19, coronavirus is much bigger than sports. It's unprecedented times, historical, a pandemic we have never had before, a global health crisis that we have never experienced. I'm recording March Sadness remote from my home office, social distancing. My executive producer, Murph Cargus, on the other side. On today's episode is my former college coach and now ESPN college basketball analyst, Seth Greenberg, Cal Poly men's basketball coach, John Smith, UC Irvine men's basketball coach, Russ Turner, Long Beach State's athletic director, Andy Fee, and longtime basketball writer and scout, Frank Burleson. Joining me is longtime basketball writer and scout of 40 years, a member of the U.S. Basketball Writers Association Hall of Fame. You can follow him on the website, Burleson on Basketball, my good friend who I met when he covered the 49ers for Long Beach Press-Telegram, the legend, Frank Burleson. What's up, Burley? What's going on, buddy? Well, you know, I'm doing this podcast remote, and I know I've been hitting you up during the college basketball season. I said, you got to come on the podcast. Come on, come in studio. We're going to talk college hoops. Who would have ever thought that today would have been day four of the NCAA tournament, and we don't have any basketball. Yeah, I mean, you and me are, are not unlike, you know, millions of people across the world, and I, I'd probably say millions pretty safely, that, you know, this was the apex of, you know, certainly the NBA playoffs are great. Everybody loves the NBA playoffs, especially in the last couple series, because, you know, it's basketball, it's finance of the world, but there's nothing quite like – you know, I don't use this term March Madness because we got a different form of March Madness going on in the world right now, real madness. But again, this is the apex of the season. This is when you see all the teams that you've been following and watching uh, since November, uh, be it as a fan, be it as a reporter, be it as just a fan of the sport, where it all comes together, where, you know, you, you and I both shared the experience on the Sunday and, and kind of wondering who's going to go where, who's going to get the at-large bids, and then it carries over from the last few years into those you know, those first four games that they play on Tuesday and Wednesday night and, Dave, uh, and, and Dayton. And then yeah. following, through with, following through with Thursday, Friday, 16 games apiece. I mean, basically, Thursday and Friday, that, that first week of tournament is, is a marathon, an all-day marathon where you, 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 you try to get multiple screens of TV. You, you try to 
have be loaded with all kinds of snacks and stuff during the eat, to eat and drink during the games. And now we just, you know, we're sitting here doing podcasts, reminiscing and talking about what might have been. Yeah, you know, we would be watching hoops right now. Your thoughts on how the NCAA handled it? Uh, you know, uh, in, in hindsight, to nitpick, I was kind of surprised they took so long. You know, again, long in these days means matters of minutes or hours sometimes. But uh, I, I knew Tuesday night, if you remember, um, the yes. game was televised by Spectrum. I went to Cal State Northridge uh, for the Etiwanda uh, and Sierra Canyon Southern Regional Open Final, State Open Regional Final. And I thought to myself, you know, I could watch this on TV and save the 90-mile drive one way from South Orange County to the San Fernando Valley. But I got, you know, I got to be the feeling this is going to be the last game I'm going to have a chance to see. Certainly, high school game, and then, and sure enough, you know, unfortunately, I, I proved to be right. It's uh, it's a health pandemic, uh, unlike anything that certainly even in my lifetime, and I'm considerably older than my clone uh that we've ever lived through and again this is unique times and i know there was a lot of coaches and players bemoaning lost opportunities but i think i think finally now as we go into friday you know and what's going on in the world you know within cal within the california california and the country and the world right now we realize that this is certainly well beyond you know, lost senior seasons or lost opportunities to get into the NCAA tournament. This is real life. And unfortunately, many, many thousands and probably millions of people are going to get ill. And large number of thousands, at the very least, uh, people are, are going to perish. And the NCAA didn't have a choice. I mean, no, no they no, did not have a choice. No. Why do you think they why do you think they took so long? I mean, do you think uh, insurance had to do with part of it? Yeah, and, I, you know, I, I'm sure insurance, I'm sure the fear of litigation, I'm sure a lot of things. Because, again, remember, Mike, uh, because of, you know, a lot of ramifications and a lot of reasons, there was large numbers, percentage of the population even on the political level, the, our leaders, political leadership, uh, as well as people in, in social settings, uh, which we saw reflecting in, in, in some unfortunate posts, you know, on, on social media, they didn't understand the grasp of the severity of the depth of the, of the issue we're facing. I mean, I, I kind of did a little bit because my wife, Julie, works in, in the health profession, so I had some insight from her, and I, I try to read everything and follow up what's going on in the world and not limit my perspective to one of a nationalistic perspective. So I knew what was going on in South Korea and China and in Italy and you know other places in the country across the globe, and I knew that, hey, we're not immune to it. You know, our, our, our sense of American greatness isn't going to insulate us or or vaccinate us against a threat that you know no one had seen before and is totally new and that there's no treatment for much less the vaccine for so i kind of knew it was going to be bad and now like everybody else i'm just trying to do everything i can uh to to follow the the, the regulations and follow the suggestions to stay as close to home and you know cleanse everything and, and limit face-to-face -face contact with people as much as possible and hopefully 
you know, at some point, my, my feeling is it's going to take a long, long time before we ever get back to anything that's close to normal. And I'm afraid much longer than even most people realize right now. Yeah, Frank, I'm going stir crazy and you appreciate this. I have a group text with Seth Greenberg, who'll be joining uh, yeah. today's show, uh, and about 20 of our former players and just bringing up old stories. I, I mean, we yeah. should be watching basketball right now. You know? Oh, yeah. Um, I get, again, you know, in all it does is, I mean, it's great because, you know, reminiscing on, you know, in Twitter, we had a large Twitter group yesterday with Marcus Johnson and his son Chris and Anthony Jackson, another former 49er. Um, just talking about, you know, the great guy. I think so you have a chance to see some and talk about some of the great players and teams from the seven, high school teams mostly in Southern California from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and to the present. So, you know, it, it's kind of good, and it, 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 it's, it's, it's a great exercise. And unfortunately, you know, it, it's being used to just kind of kind of substitute for the stuff we all be doing right now, which is, you know, watching NCAA tournament games, covering NCAA tournament games. And of course, you know, people in the NBA would, would be playing in the NBA and, and, and life would be, besides the sports scene, life would be much more attuned to what we consider normal than, than it is right now. When things settle down and go back to, should we say normal post COVID-19, what should yeah. the NCAA consider? for seniors who never got that chance. Well, I mean, that's going to be, uh, I was talking to Kim, you know, I think Kim Satter, you're going to have, uh, I believe on your show too, softball yes. coach, great, great softball coach at Long Beach State. And one, one of the real great coaches I had a chance to work with and wonderful person. And as you remember, Fong, uh, Mike, the last, you know, four or five years that I was at the press telegram ending in June mm-hmm. of 2011, I got, I got to cover women's uh, you know, softball and, and the women's volleyball program with Brian Jumero and, and Kim with the, on the softball side and just great, great athletes, uh, wonderful athletes. One, you know, a lot of them who I still keep in contact with now as they've gone into their post sports lives. But, you know, this is just not a basketball thing. This is just not a sports thing. It's, it, it's everything. So again, you know, there are athletes, certainly all the spring sport athletes, be it track and field, be it, you know, women's, vo- um, be it uh, men's volleyball. I mean, Long Beach State has the best program in the sport. There's one back-to-back men's uh, championships under Allen Knight. And certainly there's a lot of, uh, I'm sure there's some seniors in that program who are kind of being deprived of, of an opportunity to, to, to win a third national championship in a row. So, it's going to be a whole lot of things, uh, a large spectrum of issues that ultimately the NCAA is going to have to make decisions on. And certainly, I'm sure you know the powers that be aren't exactly just sitting home, you know, you know, binge watching, you know, Breaking Bad or The Sopranos or something. There, I'm sure that most of them are, are working on ideas and fleshing out ideas and you know teleconferencing and things like that in terms of when when decisions have to be made that they've been well thought out of and that the, uh, that the membership be the presidents of the universities and the ADs ultimately can vote on um, uh, situ- uh, opportunities or situations uh, that can give as many athletes as possible. And of course the coaches too, because certainly the coaches and, and the staff members who are involved with these teams are big parts of it too. And these are all opportunities they were not too. So I think ultimately, you know, they'll do their best to, to make it as fair for, 
not only athletes relative to being able to come back with uh, eligibility relief, which I think is the term they're using now, but also how it impacts the incoming first-time student-athletes on the college level because again, a lot of these student-athletes who have already committed to college, colleges you know, made those decisions based upon perhaps you know, who's going to be there and how much can I play. So if there's multiple athletes coming back, you know, how does that impact, their, you know, their decisions? Do they still want to go to school? So it's a whole, whole wealth. Of, it's a trickle down effect. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I get so it's a, I'm sure as you go through today you, you, and you're talking to, you know, Andy from Long Beach State on the, on the athletic department level, you know, Kim in terms of, you know, a non, uh, you know, non uh, men's sport and then Seth versus his perspective that he, maybe he can offer, you know, as, as a coach, and as a broadcaster on the largest you know, sports broad, uh, broadcasting um, a platform there is in the world, ESPN, I'm sure they'll give you some thoughts and perspective too. But again, it's, I, I think first and foremost, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that these are all things that, that are secondary or much even less down the pecking order of secondary in terms of the things that have to be done now just to secure everyone's health and make this a climate uh, where people can get back to socially interacting and, and living their lives as close to normal as possible. And you know what? And, and we got to focus and, and my podcast is on the college search and admission process for high school students and parents. And I've always thought, you know, have Frank Wilson come on and, and, uh-huh. let's, and let's talk colleges. We're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to have a West region since we didn't hear the brackets, right? We're going to have our West region, South region, Midwest region, and East region of colleges. If I asked you, let's start out on the East Coast first, East region, what's your favorite college campus that you've been to, that you've experienced, maybe gone out on the town, atmosphere, environment? Let's talk East region colleges that maybe someone here in Southern California might be interested in looking into well, well well i think as a reporter uh you know with the you know i was with the orange county register for a couple of years and covered sb football and ucla basketball and you know the nba too and then certainly in two different stints for the long beach paper you know mid-70s through late 90s and then back again in 2003 september 2003 i had the opportunity uh, to go to you know not only for basketball of course but you know especially covering college football and back I didn't remember when year I think it was spring of '93 I went to Tallahassee for for a regional play and um, college World Series uh, with Dave Snows you know when the first early yeah. I think that was their first team that went to the College World Series the. Uh, I don't think they were called the dirtbags. Now I think that was their unofficial uh, nickname. But you know, so I was I've been on the Florida State campus in Tallahassee. You know, Syracuse. I've been to Syracuse a couple of times. Very very cold, dreary weather. You know, a spectacular uh, facility, uh, but certainly cold cold weather. I've been to UConn. Uh, you know, I I think and it's not a traditional college campus. And Mike, I don't know if you ever had this opportunity. You know, maybe you had for an NBA game, but there's just nothing like Madison Square Garden. And I think not only in terms of the basketball watching venue, you know, for the NBA or college, but just the atmosphere in there, the the ability to walk outside. And, and, and you're in, in my mind, at least 
you know, certainly Paris and London and, and, and things like that and L.A. to a degree are vibrant, vibrant cities. But there's nothing like, uh, you know, New York City to be able to go watch a game and then go out and get something to eat at midnight or hang out with with, with friends and go into bars till 4 a.m. And just the atmosphere at Madison Square Garden in terms of obviously it's a, it's a relatively new Madison Square Garden as opposed to the old one in the 60s and early 70s and the, the heyday of, of the Knicks and everything. But there's not, in terms of the East Coast, you know, Duke, if you want to consider uh, East or, you know, there's probably more Southeast. Duke is, is a unique facility in uh, uh, atmosphere. But Madison Square Garden, to me, of, of all the sports I've covered, that's uh, in all the venues I've been to, be it college football or, or basketball, I would say certainly – you know, Madison Square Garden, even though it's not on a college campus, uh, it and, certainly sticks out in my mind. And you know what? I, I've, I've been to an NBA game, a hockey game there. I think St. John's sometimes plays yeah. out there. Uh, Rutgers. Yeah. So absolutely. You know, and for some of the people out here in Southern California that may uh, want to stay on the West Coast, that's not like the, should I say, the sweatshirt brands. I'm talking yeah. about uh, what, what, what's one college campus? Uh, that stands oh, out yeah. in the West. Well, you know, when I think of campus, Mike, I don't necessarily just think the campus. And Should I say school? The, Let's talk yeah, school. school or community. And again, you've been there multiple times. And again, uh, you know, John Smith, who I think you, you're going to have later on, is now the coach at Cal Poly in San Luis. But I think from, from my Long Beach State days, be it basketball, be it volleyball, San Luis Obispo is a great community. It's a college town, I think, where the college, a lot of the stuff within the community is driven by, you know, the college campus, uh, the college campus, and what's going on the campus, be it sports or you know, academically. It's a great atmosphere. Uh, you know, it, it, you can go up and down the coast. You're about an hour and a half or two hours away from Santa Barbara. I, you know, that's to me, you know, and certainly the UCLA's and the yes, the Coliseums for football. And the, Poly Pavilion for basketball and, uh, you know, Knight Pavilion now. Uh, I think it's Knight Arena now, University of Oregon and Corvallis. They're all great. But, you know, Cal Poly in terms of hidden. It's a hidden gym. Yeah, hidden gyms where people across the country wouldn't, you know, where San Luis Obispo had no idea. But it's really a great atmosphere. And certainly I think today was, what, the sixth anniversary or fourth anniversary when um, that program went to the NCAA tournament. Uh, and just shock the world, kind of. But again, it, it's a great town, and, and I think um, great atmosphere and great campus. And I think that's one of the main reasons, uh, a big reason why I think John Smith and, and his able staff are, are going to get a, do a great job uh, with the Mustangs there. I agree with you a hundred percent, and uh, we will. I will definitely send John uh, those messages. I, I mean, you just teed it up. Cal Poly being one of the oh, yeah. best campuses on the West Coast. I tell my audience and followers that all the time. We've had a couple students on uh, from Cal Poly, uh, but Frank, I want to thank you for joining under these times. I know I do want to get you in the studio one time, uh, one day. We could talk old Long Beach State stories. Oh, There's yeah. so much more to oh. talk about. <laughs> Uh, 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 my, my producer play. my producer would love to hear them <laughs> yeah we'll leave it at this we'll just tease it you know like you always say tease the audience to make yes. a contact let's just say university of hawaii honolulu flight nit 19 uh 1990 30 years ago year anniversary it is a 30 year anniversary we're going to tease it up there because 
Coach Berg, we were talking about that all last night on, on the text, and we're talking about the stories, and I'm sure he's going to bring that up on the podcast too. But I want to thank you. You enjoy the rest of your day. You stay safe. Tell Julie I said hello, um, and keep up the great work. All right, Mike. Good job, buddy. Looking forward to seeing you again. All right. Thank you. And that was Frank Burleson giving his insights and takes from his home in Laguna Niguel. I love Frank Burleson. If you want to follow him again, it's website Burleson on basketball. He can talk high school. He can talk college. And him and I are always talking college basketball, high school basketball. Now let's go to John Smith. Joining me from San Luis Obispo is Cal Poly men's basketball coach, John Smith. John, thank you for joining me. I know there's moments in history when you remember where you were when it happened or you heard the news. And I will always remember last Wednesday, March 11th, you and I were together at a Cal Poly event in Orange County when we were discussing uh, the Big West tournament with no fans, the NCAA, uh, NCAA tournament, you know, if they were going to cancel or not. Then the news broke on Rudy Gobert and the NBA just a domino effect. What do you make of the way the, uh, the NCAA handled the entire situation and what's transpired since you and I were together? Yeah, you know, it, hindsight, I like to live on hindsight. Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? You know, when it first came out, I was very disappointed with the decision. Like, the, you, you know, you're killing these guys' dreams, you know, the end of the season, da 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 But as you get more and more information, you know, it, it was definitely the right decision to cancel the NCAA tournament because of the way this pandemic is spreading. You know, uh, it's unfortunate for for the seniors especially, but you know we gotta we gotta do a better job as a country to take heed to what's going on. I mean, right now there's 14 NBA players. Right, last Wednesday there was only one. Could you have seen like all these regions, 68 teams trotting into their venues, arenas, and then then college students, the bands, administration, then the, the, them going on their own way, just spreading to see them more. There's no way they had to do that. Exactly. Exactly. They definitely had to, you know, social distancing is, is, is what we need to do. And, and, and everybody needs to pay attention to it. So it was definitely, definitely the right decision. Uh, let me ask you this. Do you think it was bad leadership from Mark Emmerich and the NCAA? Uh, maybe the timing, the delayed or what, what they were waiting for. I have my own, takes in terms of why they waited so long but i want to hear it from you like do you think there could have been better leadership and communication you know that's hard to say because you don't know what information that they had um, um leading up to the decision you know um have they had the information of how it's spreading and, and why it's spreading you know at the beginning of, of of march february whatever when it started coming into the united states then yeah it's bad leadership but if they didn't get the the, the, the proper information uh, around the time that like a week before, then I, I agree with how they handled it. And you know what? You hit on a point. We're, we're talking about the, the seniors, right? You personally, you get another day to coach. Some of the players get another day to play, but the seniors, they don't get a chance to live that one last moment. Right. Right. And, it's, go ahead. They don't get to, you know, walk off that court. Some of them, you look, I feel for people like Cassius Stanley, right? He was kissing the court. He, yeah. who, who knew that was going to be his last time he was kissing that court? Right, right. You know, um, I, our lives are, are like chapters in a book. And unfortunately for those seniors and those guys that were finishing up their, their last year of college basketball, they didn't get to finish the chapter, you know, close that chapter, so, so to speak. You know, it, it just closed itself. 
and, and that's unfortunate. Um, but with one chapter closing, another one opens, and they got to be prepared for what the next chapter in life um, has in store for them. You were part of Cal State Fullerton before coming to uh, Cal Poly. Uh, you had a chance, a moment, to hear your name called. Obviously, you guys won the tournament in 2018 over UC Irvine. What's that feeling like? Give my audience and fans a perspective from a coach of a one Big West team making it to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, you know that. Fortunately, it, it was it was a surreal feeling. You know, I, I've been to the NCAA tournament as a player, but that was like 30 years ago. And you know, when you're 18, 19 years old and you're going to the tournament, you're thinking you're going to go every year, especially at the school that I was at. I was at UNLV, and but as a coach at a mid-major that has a <clears throat> one team that goes to the tournament from the conference, you know, it's it's such a great feeling, a great feeling of accomplishment because that's what that's what the goal is. Trying to teach these guys to win three games in a row in the Big West Conference. Winning one game is is hard. Just winning one game is hard. And getting them to pay attention to the details and stay focused on winning three games in a row um, speaks volumes about their 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 buy in and their ability to to uh you know, just be be a part of something that's bigger than them. And and to see that come to fruition is just exciting as a coach. And I just it's one of the greatest feelings that I've had as a coach. And I tell everyone associated with the uh you know my surroundings, Irvine and Long Beach State and now you have you at Cal Poly, it's three days in March, right? You get hot for three days in March. And when you were on those UNLV teams, because we played UNLV, uh, you remember in the 1990 uh, Big yeah. West uh, uh, tournament finals. And we, I, I remember our athletic director coming around the bench and saying, you have to win. And, and at the time we were 21 and nine and or 21 and eight and Harrington said, he just said, what the, f-? Uh, threw down something and, and the game was still going on. I didn't realize what was happening. That's when the selection show was, I believe, like at 12. And we had to beat UNLV to make it to the NCAA tournament. We lost. We went to the NIT. But that just gives you the perspective of what was going on inside. But uh, those were some great years. And, and yeah. you know, when things do settle down, we, we I got to have you in studio. We could talk about college basketball like we were doing last Wednesday, um, yeah. uh, like we did. But you know what? It, it, in the last nine years, you, you just finished your first year at Cal Poly. In the last nine years, eight different teams have won the Big West Sunday. Right. Uh, and, and next year, I look at what you're returning. You return 50% of your offensive scoring uh, with, mm-hmm. like, your junior Ballard, uh, Tuca, some sophomores, Colby Rogers, uh, Colvin. You like your chances? What, 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 what does my audience and followers and people that actually – are going to Cal Poly that listen that have been on my podcast and parents that are uh, wanting to go. What what do they have to look forward to? They got to look forward to a, a, a program that's building the right way. Just like you and I talked about how Irvine built it and how how we built it at, at, at Fullerton, like you said, and even how Northridge was building it. You know, it's a process to get to the top, and and you got to learn step by step. And to have the freshmen and the sophomores. Uh, um, returning that we have and to go through the year that they have to learn from the mistakes the the, the future is bright especially with the, the incoming class that we have coming in so I always say that year two and year three especially year three is when you really take off as a program uh, because those guys the sophomores that led us will now be seniors the freshmen that were um, 
instrumental this year will now be juniors, and the incoming class will be sophomores. So you have a, a, a stable group of guys that understand the program, the culture, and where, where you're trying to go with everything, and they understand how to win, how to lose, they learn from the mistakes of this year. So the future for us, I feel, is very bright. We just got to stay the course and continue to hold these guys accountable to trying to be their best every single day on the court and off the floor and in the classroom. I think Don made a great hire with you. Uh, I, I know we talked about your team being young, the culture that you're building, the toughness, the competitiveness. Um, it's optimistic, but I'm really excited. And you know, I got a smile on my face now because your recruiting class is is loaded with people I personally know. You got Prue coming in, and you got Evans coming in from Modern Day, uh, mm-hmm. and then obviously uh, we, we saw when Modern Day lost to Etowanda, Cameron Pierce. Yeah. That guy is a baller. Cameron Pierce is a is a program changer, and and I was able, I was fortunate enough to see him, you know, at a young age. Um, my high school teammate was his AAU coach when he was eight, nine, ten years old. And I'm like that kid. That kid has a chance to be special. And then I saw him in high school, his freshman year, and and right away I called who I was working for at the time, Dietrich Taylor. I said, Hey, we got to offer this kid. And I was sent up there to see someone else. And I came back just raving about Cam. And he, he's definitely that. He's a program changer. He, he's an unselfish point guard that's a, a fearless competitor that, that plays with great pace. He plays with an old man game, kind of like the point guards that you and I played with, you know, and, and played together with. He is just, he's a miniature version of, of Brian Shaw back in the day. You and I. Okay. Yeah. Be Shaw. You know I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so. He, he he's someone that I'm so excited to get ready to uh, coach, as, as well as Prukop and, and, and Evans and, and everybody else in that class. You know, we're excited. It's going to be fun times up there, Cal Poly. But you know, let's let's switch over to just the institution wise now. Cal Poly uh, doing remotes, uh, the finals remote for the winter quarter and spring quarter has been delayed. And the campus, I believe, as of, I mean, things are changing by the minute, but I think the campus remains open. Public schools are closed. But what's been the communication? How are you keeping in touch with your players? Say that again. I'm sorry. How are you keeping in touch the communication with your players? Because I know everybody's now, um, I believe, remote at Cal Poly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We we have a a text thread, and and weekly we're going to do – video chats, uh, virtual chats with our guys. Um, you know, we've been, we've been making sure that they all got home safely. Uh, you know, the campus is still open, but I wanted the guys, I'm a family guy. I wanted the guys to be home with their families and, and make sure that they, uh, you know, self quarantine themselves and, and social distance themselves with, with our school going virtual and doing their classes online all the way until the summer. I thought it'd be best that they, they go home and be with their families. And so we, we're scheduling weekly uh, conference calls with the guys. And, and every day I'm, I'm texting in our text thread of just giving them just motivational uh, quotes and threads and just trying to keep it, everything positive and moving forward. Well, and being a student athlete, you, you, you are on a schedule, right? You can go into the weight room. You can go into the academic center, get your tutoring. Yeah. Their life has just been upended. I mean, yeah. you, you're probably on Zoom using Chromebooks and yeah. some it's it, it's hard to get used to and accustomed. This might be the norm, John. Yeah. And you and I know that like uh, that athletes, student athletes, especially are, are so regimented and, and, and 
used to a routine, you know, practice plan and everything. We used to send them daily, their daily uh, agenda, you know. And so we continue to do that. And I just tweaked it and, and gave them uh, workouts that they could do in the house, you know, push-ups, sit-ups, you know, uh, right. all <laughs> handling. Um, and then going to a, a park and trying to get a 500 base shot or going to a gym if they can get a 500 base shots with just them and another person, as well as spending time with, with, you know, trying to read self-help books, leadership books, and, and doing their, spending time on doing their homework as well as stretching. And then I had, a, I had, uh, about seven different segments in there to wash their hands. So, um, we, we just, you know, tried to give them a routine uh, to continue to follow daily. Well, you have high character players that are academically driven. I mean, there's mm-hmm. going to be more in life than, than basketball. Uh, you're recruiting right. young men and you're developing them, growing them. How's, you've been on the ca- campus for one year. You've been at UNLV. You've been at Cal State Fullerton. Uh, you were at a community college as a player. How do you sell Cal Poly. It, Frank Burleson, who who was on the podcast earlier, uh, we talked about, I said, tell me one school that stands out on the West Coast that's not a sweatshirt brand name. And guess what school he said? Cal Poly. He said Cal Poly. And I, <laughs> I said, he said, you, you talk to John, you, you tell him he has something going on good out there. So when you get into a recruit's living room, you talk to the family. Takeaway basketball. How are you selling that? You know, the, the, the main thing I, I talk about is, is, you know, first of all, the alumni base um, and, and the, the, the strong academic uh, program institution that it is and, and the, the different types of alums that, that come out of there that continue to pour back into the community. Um, getting a degree from Cal Poly is equivalent to getting a degree from Harvard, Cornell, you know, on the Ivy schools. It's, it's like an Ivy school on the West Coast. So um, you have so many affluent, um, just, just you know, powerful alums that, that love the, the, the community and the campus. So I always equate it to not a four-year degree, but a 40-year degree because of the, the, the resources that you have at, 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 at the end of your hands once you, um, once you graduate. And then to live in the happiest place on earth, I mean, it, I've been in every part of California. And this is my first time living in the Central Coast. And I tell you what, it is unbelievable um, from the weather standpoint, from, you know, the, 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 the scenery. I mean, it is just unbelievable. But then, you know, just it, it's a college town. You know, a lot of um, schools in our conference don't even have the ability that, that the things that we have, you know, um, we're three, three and a half hours away from the Lakers, three and a half hours away from the Warriors. So whenever our game's on, that's the thing to do. So everybody wants to come there and, and, and watch, you know, Cal Poly men's basketball. We are the pro team in town. So you get the best of all worlds when you come to Cal Poly um, as, as a student athlete from an academic standpoint and, and from a college atmosphere standpoint. So, yeah, if I had to do it all over again, Cal Poly would be right up on the top of my list. And you know where I went. So Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> and and my father in law is an alum from Cal Poly. I tell my followers and listeners that San Luis Obispo is a hidden gem. It is so hard to get in there academically. And you know, you're gonna laugh because I told Prue and Evans, I, I said, You take away basketball, 
you two ain't getting into Cal Poly. You two ain't getting into Cal Poly. And, and, and they smile. They laugh. I, I have a lot of my, my daughter's friends with them and, and their peers. Um, they're hearing back. Right. And they know how hard it is to Cal Poly. But you're doing something special up there. I mean, right. It's Pismo Beach and you you nailed it on the dot. It is a college town. I tell people it's like a, a little mini Lawrence. Right. You've been to Lawrence, Kansas. I said exactly. you have the four corners. You have your local bars. You have your 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 food mart and and you're close to the beach the women's volleyball team's doing well they just put the new beach facility in and i tell you what i said you give john two years three years mott jim is going to be rocking and rolling it's going to be rocking and rolling and last week when we talked we almost had it planned i said i'll be out there i believe did i say april (laughs) i think we were gonna we were gonna golf things have changed Things have changed, yeah. but you know what, John? We're going to keep in touch either when you're back down here in Orange County or when I'm up in Cal Poly. Um, I'm going to hit you up, and we're, and we're going to get out, and we're, and we're going to go play. Sounds good, Michael. Yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate you and appreciate you doing this, man. This is fun, and, and uh, I look forward to having you up in the Central Coast. Definitely, and, and I hope you and your family. I know Kylie's in high school, and, and I think your daughter came home from Cal maybe, or she's doing classes yeah. remote too. Yes. From Louisville. Louisville. Oh, she turned okay. Louisville. Out, so yeah. Yeah. She, she just got home uh, Monday. So we're excited to have everybody home. Well, I got my daughter from Washington home, but she's ready to, you know, it's weird. Washington, their spring breaks next week. They're going yeah. back. They can live in the house. Everything's going to be remote. Um, yeah, I, she's driving me crazy, John. Yeah. I, we we, yeah. we got to send them on. I got other kids. I got high school and eighth grader doing stuff here. Uh, times have changed. Definitely, yep, and this is the world we're living in. Um, yep. But thank you. Uh, you have a great rest of your day, and I appreciate you joining. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate you, man. Take care. All right. You too. All right. Bye. Now, that was John Smith up in Cal Poly. We were just, again, with each other last Wednesday when the dominoes effect fell, and he is now giving us time to join, giving a different perspective. We've had Frank Brolson on. We've had... John Smith on and joining me from his home in Avon, Connecticut is an individual that gave me an opportunity 31 years ago to be the student manager at Long Beach state. My coach, my friend, ESPN college basketball analyst, Seth Greenberg coach. It was a week ago that I texted you and asked if you had time in your busy schedule to join my podcast. What a difference a week makes. Yeah, it's been incredible a week and a half and, um, you know, the world has changed, uh, not just college basketball. We look at things in like this little mini bubble of the impact on college basketball, but it's it's our world society. It's, it's the way we live, uh, hopefully maybe the way we, we treat others. But uh, it's been uh, sobering. I've said this numerous times, and uh, I think the basketball world, once they saw what happened to Rudy Gobert, uh, that, that all of a sudden um, – put a face to the virus Uh, it shouldn't have because this is something that some people have known for for a significant amount of time i give so much credit to uh first the ivy league who who was the first to act even before rudy gobert to the governor of ohio who basically shut down tournament was the first to shut down uh the facilities and then obviously to the nba and, and then everyone who followed their lead how can you ask for obviously amateur athletes to compete with professional athletes who are shutting down their sport? 
but more importantly, I think of the lives that were saved uh, by by the decisions that were made. Now we, as a society, we've got to make the same type of decisions. We've got to, you know, I I just put out a a video about. I used to talk about when I evaluated teams. It was who are you and how do you win. Well, as a society, who are we and how do we win? Are we selfless? Are we selfish? Uh, which are, you know, I think is can we control our controllables? What are our controllables? Stay inside. Uh, you know, obviously respect social distancing. Uh, don't put other people in harm. Uh, deal with adversity. Meet it head on. Be a good teammate. So uh, hopefully that uh, people are making good decisions. But uh, the, the last 10 days, obviously, the world changed in a lot of different ways. Uh, Coach, you, you would not be probably <clears throat> on this podcast. I mean, I don't work on Thursdays and Fridays in March. We're watching basketball. I'm a junkie. Do you, how do you think the NCAA handled it and when they did? I thought they did a good job with it. I mean, there are so many moving parts uh, You know, for the NCAA handled it in a timely manner, obviously. Uh, it, timely enough to get their athletic directors and the people on the committee home so they could deal with the things on their campus. Um, they made the right decision. Um, they made a decision that was in the best interest of the good of the group. Um, I think they made the right decision by not revealing a new bracket because it would be inconclusive and speculative because mm-hmm. 20 more automatic bids were going to still have to be uh, come uh, be won. And you know, so I don't think it would have been fair to teams that were still having an opportunity, especially from the one-bid leagues, that were still in position to have a chance to win their conference tournament. So I think the NCAA handled it in, in, a, in a really good way. And uh, look, it's difficult. They, it's easy to condemn the NCAA on each and every little thing. There's a lot of moving parts in terms of not just the decision, but when and how. So uh, I thought that the NCAA's decision was, was right. I thought that the leagues uh, did a good job of following up on that and making right decisions. And hopefully those decisions will pay uh, great dividends for people in the future. Coach, you know my passion for the sport. I'm just, I'm a cheerleader. You played, you coached. Like the empathy for some of the people, and, and I've heard you talk about some of the players that that couldn't go out and play 40 minutes for their last time. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, you think about, you know, you think about the teams that you know, you've coached or the players that you, you don't like. They have a saying with us: you work all season to be your very best in March. So like we work all season on Monday and Tuesdays and college game day and all that stuff to be our very best in March. And that's the way teams are too. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, you know, the opportunity didn't present itself. I mean, you think about the Hofstras and the one bid leagues, and mm-hmm. the seniors that, that wanted that one last shining moment uh, to share with their teammates, to have a chance to see this could be their special time. But but I think then you put it in perspective on what the real problem in our, in our world is that's going on in our world. And it puts it in perspective. It doesn't take away the pain. It doesn't take away that moment that you would have had with your teammates or with your coach or with your, you know, with that group that you had all these shared experiences with. But it is very real uh, that what we're going through. So it's it's a difficult time just to see your name pop up on that screen and think about that joy and that exhilaration that you go through in that moment uh it's been very difficult for those people and I, I i empathize with them uh but unfortunately uh something happened that no one you know talk about controlling the controllables no one had control over this and the magnitude of this disease right now 
And you've been on the bubble with your Virginia Tech team. So you know some of the emotions that that the coaches feel. Uh, I mean, some people already had their tickets punched, like a Steve Forbes or like right a Rich Bird or like Penn State or Rutgers never getting in there for like 10, 15 years. I was ready. Like today, I wouldn't even be having this podcast. I'd be in Sacramento because I told Russ who's going to be on. I said, Russ, I had you playing San Diego State. I was flying up to Sacramento. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, a lot of people um... – you know, who's missed those opportunities. I mean, yeah, I mean, this a selection Sunday in the NCAA tournament uh, is a, is something special for those people. It's a lifetime memory. You know, like you said, I mean, the biggest thing when my, I had 48 straight months on, on, the, on the bubble and, you know, 48 short months where we didn't get in and, and we really had good teams. And I, I didn't care about that for me, Seth Greenberg. I really, but you know, for Malcolm Delaney and Jeff Allen and Terrell Bell and, you know, for those guys that uh, worked so hard and cared so much and for them not to have that experience, I hurt for them. So I hurt for all the kids that aren't getting that opportunity. I hurt for, but I also hurt for the, the high school senior that's not getting prom or graduation or senior night. And I hurt for, you know, the, the college graduate that's graduating college in these uncertain times. I heard from my daughter who's just finishing up law school mm-hmm. and she's going to be able to walk across that stage after three years of, of busting her tail. So, I mean, it, we look at it in, in the, in the, through the prism of sport. I look at it now more in a global aspect of we're not the only ones that are losing that shining moment. That, that, that first time, college graduate that family's losing that shining moment uh you know that that high school senior that you know was looking forward to senior night with their classmates which she'll never have that that might have been their shining moment so you know this gives you a chance to take a step back and 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 look at it through a different prism and and look we've started and i've done this with all my three teams and quite honestly fonger uh I've asked all my managers, you representing Long Beach and, uh, and Connor McDevitt re- representing mm-hmm. Virginia Tech and, 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 uh, and others to represent my group at South Florida, uh, Ben Lincoln and others. I've asked them to create these, uh, text chains for all of us. Uh, so to make sure that we're, we're all doing well and hanging in there and a support system to others. So even though some of those teams didn't have those shining moments, we have each other. We have those memories, and those memories are really important. The last 24, 48 hours, Coach, have been unreal. I've been telling my wife that just the text messages going back. Let's let's have some fun now. The number one seed, the Long Beach State basketball chain, right? It has to be the number one seed. Over your Vodtech in South Florida is our group. Is our group Father, I have to admit, <laughs> man, this is, this is serious. And, you know, I mean, like, like – we won't go through your story of being sent off from Hawaii. <laughs> we won't go through the whole story, but you know, you know that team meant more to me, and and your ability to keep that team together because this team wouldn't be together the way it is now. We we'd be in contact individually, but not collectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, you built more bridges for this group of players that have had these shared experiences than anyone I can imagine, and your continued. Uh, resiliency in terms of knocking down barriers, you know, for guys that didn't play as much and were ticked off at me, 
But I mean, and, and I'm putting things in perspective, uh, it's been un- incredible. And, uh, all you guys, and I say, we say it all the time about, about managers, but, uh, you you especially, uh, you know, it's, you know, lifetime friendships that people think you only have lifetime friendships with players or your best players. You know, you have lifetime friendships with so many others. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate to call you a lifetime friend and someone who, you know, our family values and, uh, we have so many shared experiences and fond memories, but what you're doing to bring this group together and, you know, what and the other guys are doing is, uh, Andrew Frazier is doing it for me in South Florida. He's one of our former players, but it's really, really important. It means the world to me. Well, I appreciate that. You know, this podcast that I have, it's, it's giving back and it's helping college, uh, the search and admission process. I help high school students and parents in the, in the Southern California, the local area and trying to promote other colleges. And you've been around to so many college campuses, game day, uh, Let's have a little fun with this. Tell me your final four college campuses, schools, uh, and I've done with this with Burleson too, and he went through some good ones, but with environments and atmospheres. Who are your top four colleges? Well, yeah, you know, I'm a little biased. I'm going to throw UCLA in there because my wife is from there, and I'm not saying the environment at Pauley Pavilion, but that, there's no campus prettier than UCLA's. To me, it's it's a slice of, of heaven. It, it really it, is. It, yeah. I mean, it, it's just an incredible, incredible place. So we just had one place. Uh, in terms of you know atmospheres, the greatest atmosphere, probably college basketball, is is Fog Island Fieldhouse. It is absolutely incredible. The the pageantry that goes on before a game and the ownership of the fans and uh, and, and such is just absolutely mind boggling. Uh, campus is nice, but the the atmosphere, the energy, the ownership is is incre- is absolutely uh incredible um north carolina's campus is magnificent absolutely magnificent and and the dean dome although i wouldn't put that as some of the best environments it's a great environment especially for the new game i wouldn't put it as one of the all-time great environments on a daily basis unless they're on one of those runs like i had one of my first <laughs> my first few years michigan state has a great balance of community campus and ownership uh incredible 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 fans uh the president said is one of the great arenas in college basketball the great sites of college basketball and the campus the, the big 10 campuses in general are phenomenal they're just phenomenal well you you gave four blue bloods right there been on the campus in chapel hill I love it. I actually compare it a lot in terms of UCLA people wise. They're not as uh, should I say snooty like the Dukes and the USC's uh, Kansas. When we have it, when you're out here in the summer, we, we got to talk about that 1993 story. We're going to tease it like that. Cause you know what I'm talking about. The yeah. best story after getting our ass kicked uh, <clears throat> at BCU and then coming, <laughs> and then come down to Kansas, uh, Michigan state, my daughter got accepted there. Uh, and she's not going to uh, go there, but that's a beautiful campus as well. Um, one mid-major. Give me one mid-major before we'll wrap it up. A small, maybe some school that, that someone from Southern California uh, wants to get out of state that, that that's not very familiar. Uh, that, that's uh, out there a mid-major. great mid-major campus. Well, it's not a mid-major. Villanova's campus is absolutely gorgeous. I'm biased because of my daughter going to school. Yeah, they have great passion, that's right. great ownership. Uh, but that place is, is really just a... a, a a really special, beautiful uh, environment. 
Uh, but let me give you a, let me give you one that's outside of that uh, that I we've been to, um, and there are some really beautiful, absolutely phenomenal, quote unquote mid major uh, environments and campuses uh, across across the country. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to pick up. Uh, well, I'll tell you one one. It's real simple. I mean, you want to go to a, it's a beautiful campus. Yeah, real simple. Go to Princeton. That's been there. Took my kids there. Now they're not Ivy League bound. A lot of my followers and listeners, if they're if they're not smart, they're getting in there anyways. But no, Princeton is a beautiful campus. Very Princeton's beautiful. campus is absolutely phenomenal. It's 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 absolutely great. We were at a really amazing campus the other day when we had Dayton, Dayton's campus for more of an urban university. Really, really, really special uh, environment. That's the great thing about. The world we live in. There are so many incredible places uh, and campuses. SMU's campus is absolutely terrific. Really, and really you, pretty and quite. You are a father of three. What's one advice recommendation that you give parents out there uh, that are trying to help their students, their kids get to college? And maybe not, now let's take away the student athlete, but what advice do you have for students and parents out there? Uh, looking to, I, I'm, I'm going to give you it's bigger than just college. I mean, you know, invest in relationships with your kids. I mean, like it's say, I use the saying with coaching, uh, you know, uh, respect and trust doesn't come with a title. It's earned. And unfortunately, in our society we live today, if you don't invest in those real relationships with your kids and spend personal time with them, including what you're doing and put your damn phone down. And the, the, I, I do this when I talk to businesses. The greatest way to give someone respect is giving your total attention. And unfortunately, in a society where it's hard to give someone your total attention because of, uh, you know, phones and, 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 and things of that nature. Uh, if you want to help your kids, invest in, 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 in real relationships with them, not just as a parent, but as someone that has. So they understand that you have unconditional love. Coach, I've learned a lot from you. I want to thank you. Uh, you you mean a lot to me. Uh, obviously, you coming on my podcast. I know you'd rather be in studio at this time. I know it's tough times under these circumstances. Next time, as we talked in our group chain, when you come out here, hopefully in the summer, we do this in person and we all get together. Uh, I love you. Father, I'm telling you, I love you too. And we are going to have a, 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 a huge dinner somewhere in Southern California on me, Hatton will pay for the drinks. Oh, Lou's not going to pay? <laughs> no, little Lou's not going to pay. Lou, Lou, he's never paid. Uh, and and uh, and we're gonna we're gonna do this. And and all the ones, even me slipping, walking out of the bus at UCLA will be called. Well, I thank you. I know you have a busy schedule. That was Seth Greenberg. Have a great day. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, brother. Thanks, Monster. I would not have talked to Seth Greenberg if. This was March Madness. He'd be too busy. He'd be in the studio. But you know what? As he said in our little podcast, in our recording, our phone call, the last 24, 48 hours, we have had just group text messages going with a bunch of the former players because these are tough times. And he's thinking about his family, his basketball family, during this March sadness today, Friday, March 20th. Let's go to my alma mater. Let's go now to Long Beach. Joining me is athletic director from Long Beach State, Andy Fee. Andy, thank you for joining. 
during these challenging times. I want to get the 80s perspective, not only on March Madness and the NCAA spring sports cancellation, but on the university. You know, majority of my audience and followers are high school students and parents who are in the college decision-making process or currently attending college. Walk me through the last week for you. Well, thanks for having me on, Coach Fong. It's uh, always a pleasure to, to speak with you. It's uh, been a hectic past week, one that is, uh, I would say, unprecedented. Uh, we are in uncharted territory, and it's probably been one of the more unique weeks of my life. Yes, and, it, and I, I'm going to say it started because I, I was talking to someone. Long Beach State was playing, I think, Cal Poly last Tuesday with no spectators. Must have been biz- just the weird feeling because I was thinking, am, am I? is that the way the NCAA tournament's going to be, the Big West? And then everything just dominoed. Uh, when did you hear that the Big West tournament was going to cancel and there was going to be no basketball? Well, I heard on Tuesday, so the, so the beginning of the women's rounds, which is a, a day before the men begin. So on Tuesday, you know, nine o'clock, uh, we had a, a big meeting on campus and, you know, I was prepared and told all my staff, no, I think we're still proceeding at least, you know, the women, we've, we've discussed it. We're just going to move forward. Uh, I got some media inquiries and I said, no, it's, you know, hey, as far as I know, we're we're still good to go. Obviously, things may change, but we were ready. And then about 2.30, I got notification from the Big West that there had been a, uh, a vote of the executive committee, which is the presidents and chancellors from all the uh, institutions in the Big West that uh, had voted towards no spectators for that event. And as you said... Uh, that evening was weird. I mean, we we ran the game like a normal game. I mean, we had the national anthem, we had pregame music going, we had player intros. I mean, it was everything that a normal game had, except when I looked left or straight or right from the baseline, there was nobody in the crowd. So it uh, was unexpected, and um, again, one of the more bizarre scenarios I've ever been a part of. What did the NCA did the NCAA do the right thing and postpone it? I mean, we're looking at it now, yes, but at that time, your thoughts? Well, at, at the time, President Conley and myself, and I think a, a lot of presidents and athletic directors, you want to find a way to play games. You want to find a way for your your student athletes to compete for championships. So we really were trying to do everything we could to keep everything moving forward. So you know, hosting the women's opening rounds on our campus, preparing for our team, our men's team to play at the Honda Center. I mean, we were all in. We had uh, baseball traveling on Thursday early in the morning. They were leaving campus about four o'clock to fly to uh, Louisiana and and the Big Easy, New Orleans to take on Tulane. So we were progressing and we were all in to, to keep it going as long as we could. And I think that's always the the thing that you grapple with is providing opportunities for your coaches and student athletes who worked so hard for so long to put themselves in a, in a position. And uh, ultimately, as you said, I think the right thing happened, but it's really difficult to look at student athletes and tell them their seasons are over. I was all in Andy Thursday night. I was ready to go see, right. My alma mater, Long Beach state and UC Irvine, who I'm connected with as well. And when I got that text, I think it was on Tuesday where there wasn't going to be the 
pregame socializing, I said, this ain't going to happen. Something's, something's, you know, going to turn. Then Wednesday, I was at a Cal Poly event. I was with John Smith, who's uh, also on this podcast. And all that news broke all at the same time. And I'm, yeah, I'm a junkie. You know that. I'm a basketball junkie. I would not be working today. I told Russ I'd probably have been up watching him unless you guys upset him. Obviously, they were the favorite. I mean, that was a tough matchup. I told people three days in March, and that's a tough matchup. You guys were one and one during the season, and it, I think he was kind of scared. I, I, it was optimistic for Long Beach for going into that game Thursday night. Well, I'd like to believe Irvine didn't want to play us, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I mean that we probably played them the toughest over the last mm-hmm. couple of years. As you said, we split this year. We split regular season last year, had a chance to almost upset them in the semifinals last year and the year before that. So we've always played Irvine tough. We've always been a tough matchup, and, and they for us. I think it's been a great series, and uh, I think it would have been a fun game to watch because, you know, throw the seeds out. That would have been a dogfight. Absolutely. And and I look now at the spring sports, right? I look at Allen with volleyball. I look at Kim with softball. And I even look at, like, Joy and the beach volleyball team are, are, are what they're going to be doing in the summer and the fall. There's a trickle down. I mean, Long Beach State, you guys have ended all your spring classes in person. Everything's remote. Students, student athletes are home. It has to be hard to adjust and get used to. Yeah, so we are not competing for, for any spring championships. The NCAA has canceled the NCAA championships for spring, and the Big West, obviously, for our conference, the same thing. So we, we're in a weird spot. We've actually uh, ended all team activities um, due to the coronavirus and trying to just keep social distancing, all of that. But as you mentioned, some of our student athletes go home quite a few, and now we're taking online classes, distance learning. Not all of our students have have done that before. So you have to keep tracking academically because you want to make sure when we do restart, um, you know, as soon as possible, you, you have to be academically eligible to compete athletically. So it's been a challenge to say the least. We've got staff working from home now. Uh, we've only got essential folks in the office everybody else is working from home so you know it all sounds easy it all sounds simple log on your email and do this but uh you know it's a little bit like steering a, a super liner here uh you know it's, it just doesn't move as quickly and agile as you might want at times so uh, i think our coaches um, have to be more intentional and have been that way with our student athletes making sure to check in uh, you know, we, we want to make sure from a mental health perspective that we help our student athletes. Uh, you know, it, uh, it's it's really tough. We had uh, one of our jumpers, Jason Smith, who was literally at the, the indoor NCAA national championship in Albuquerque for in indoor track and field. And he was set to compete on Friday. And I'm calling over there on Thursday, crushing his dreams. So. Um, you know, we're going to work with NCAA on potentially getting a year back of eligibility for those affected who participate in spring sports. But spring is a time when we're usually rolling. You, you mentioned Allen and then it's volleyball. You mentioned Kim and softball. Uh, our new coach, Eric Valenzuela, with baseball had us at number 12 in the country. Uh, the golf teams, the, the tennis team, the spring uh, outdoor track and field. 
um, you know, beach volleyball. I mean, these are kind of our sweet spots and it's just a bummer to watch those kind of uh, go away. Well, what, what do you think or what do you recommend when this all settles down, the NCAA um, maybe appropriate grant relief for additional year of eligibility? Uh, what's your take on that? And, and what, what do you think is going to happen? I think, I think we need to give those uh, spring sports, uh, those affected, a year of eligibility back. I think it's the right thing to do. Um, you know, we, we talk nowadays about erring on the side of the student-athlete experience, and certainly um, folks who, who had their year ended, uh, it's, it's difficult. So I'm in favor of that. I've uh, been working with our conference office to look at um, how do we communicate with the NCAA and, and give our perspective. It was great to see the NCAA come out right away and say basically, hey, we're going we're gonna to work on getting eligibility back. We don't, we're not sure how we're going to do it, but I think it was a great message uh, to do that. So, you know, that's going to impact, um, you know, overall scholarship limitations from an NCAA perspective, rosters, a lot of in the weeds kind of things. But I think it's worth adjusting uh, whatever we have to do to give these student athletes who have worked so hard uh, a chance to shine. Yes, and I, I've always thought I've been throwing around the ease of scholarship limitations, right? Because most athletes in spring sports don't get scholarships. It's the non-revenue sports. Most come in and pay their own way. Uh, so it's it's going to be interesting to see. But obviously, we got a lot bigger issues, a pandemic, a global health crisis going on. You're in your third year as the AD at Long Beach State already uh, two years, two national championships in volleyball. I'm sure that had been devastating uh, for Allen. I mean, you were going to play Thursday night, I, I think, against Santa Barbara, one of the top two teams in the nation for volleyball. Yeah, yeah, that was a clash of the Titans uh, about to happen. And, you know, I was communicating with Allen on Wednesday. And same thing with, with Coach Allen's win in baseball. I just kept saying to them, look, I, we're going to do everything we can to keep things rolling. But you know, even by Wednesday, you could see the train coming down the track that it was going to be dodgy at best to, to get get games and matches in. But, um, you know, as I said, we're in the sweet spot typically of where we are athletically. Not that there's anything uh, that our fall teams don't do, but we're really a spring loaded just in the number of sports competing. And, uh, you know, Alan was very disappointed in his team. You know, they, they were nine and one. I think three or four in the country and uh, they were playing really, really well. So it would have been a great, uh, great finish to the year to see them chase a third national championship. But I always say hope springs eternal. So we're just going to plan on uh, doing that again in spring of 2021. Well, you know, it's just not March madness for basketball in one shining moment. Uh, Seth Greenberg was uh, on and talking about it was one shining moment for high school seniors, right? My daughter's a senior. She's not going to have her prom. She's not going to have graduation. I told her it will not happen at modern day. You're looking at the seniors at Long Beach State and all the spring sports. It was their one shining moment, right? I mean, they're not going to have that. Correct. I mean, basketball, you know, I'm calling Coach Munson at their shoot around on game day telling him, hey, we just canceled uh, as a conference the tournament and um, you had Jason Smith and now Al or in Albuquerque at the track meet, you had all, all those student athletes, as you mentioned, across all of our spring sports, uh, the water polo team. I mean, you name it, 
And these are young men and women who have put in, if you're a senior, you know, three, three years prior and another full year into hopefully uh, making something special happen your senior year. And that's just brutal. And for the high school student athletes, same thing. I, you know, my heart goes out to them because um, the investment people don't always know how much time and energy uh, willpower, stick to persistence, grit, whatever you want to call it, that, that these student athletes put in. And as you said, these spring sports, a lot of them are on very little scholarship dollars or no, no scholarship. And uh, I'm really hopeful, at least at the NCAA level, that we can uh, we can get some time back for those student athletes. You, you, this podcast is about obviously the search and admission process. You were at ASU, uh, you were at Santa Barbara before coming to Long Beach State. Um, what advice and recommendation do you have for students and parents when they're selecting? a college and not just a student athlete. Let's just talk about most of my followers and listeners. They are normal students. They may have played high school sports, but they're not competing at the D1, D2 level. So what advice do you have when they're looking at colleges? What, what I usually share with uh, the students that I meet, I ask them a question of, are you picking the school for yourself or are you picking the school to make someone happy? And I think students need to, at the end of the day, need to need to visit schools and they need to determine for themselves, are they going to excel there? Are they going to be happy there? If they're a student athlete, if their career ended, is this a place you would want to finish your career out socially and academically? Uh, because in the in the process, what you find a lot of times are, you know, hey, mom and dad are alums of the school or, you know, your sibling goes there or your friends are going there. And it's really easy to see yourself being happy for the reasons that someone else may put into the equation versus what makes you happy. And I think it's really important for students when they go through it, it's difficult, but to have those open conversations with their parents and for parents to, to check back with their, their son or daughter and say, you know, is this, are you going to excel there? Because I don't think anyone ever wants someone to, to transfer or to switch schools. It's not an easy process. So if you can do the homework on the front end, I think that's going to make your experience over four years or more uh, a special one. Andy, you reiterated and validated every comment that I talk about on my podcast. It's about the student. There's so many universities and colleges out there. It's not about the parents. It's not their decision. They, they're not living their life vicariously, right? Uh, and and it is, uh, you know, their decision and it's going to be for four years. And I always say, don't for a student athlete too, you probably appreciate this. I say, don't go for the coach. You know, the coach may be gone, right? Someone like you, they maybe come in, fire them. Where do you want to get your degree from? And where do you want to say I had an impact for four years? And I can honestly say I'm a proud alum of Long Beach State, you know that. I love Long Beach, I have a lot of other ties everywhere, but deep down inside, I will always be a Niner. And I appreciate you joining uh, my podcast, giving my followers and listeners this type of insight. And you know what, when times do go back to normal, I would love to just have you in studio and we can just chit chat and talk about, like for example, thank you for bringing the sandbar back, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, we <laughs> love that, don't we? We do. Hey, before a game, I'll I'll call my buddies and I'll call um, Rob. I'll say, hey, is the sandbar open? Uh, what games in the sandbar? I remember Alan was telling me that here's three games. The sandbar is open, Fonger. 
I'm like, all right, just let me know when it's open. Uh, because the pyramid used to, right. They, they would sell alcohol when it first opened up. That was one of the big things for college students, but you're doing great things there. I know the capital projects, uh, uh, with Kim and the softball and, um, and the soccer program. And I, I just can't wait to, I love every time I go on campus, things are, um, it wasn't there back when I was there. And, and to be honest, I don't think I can get into Long Beach state today, Andy. It, it's hard to get into. I say the same thing, Coach Fong. I, I'm luckily not uh, applying to any schools, uh, hopefully in the near future. But uh, I certainly appreciate the opportunity to come on the podcast, appreciate you, everything you do for us, and, and not just Long Beach State, but for the local communities, the high schools, um, the JUCOs, the four years. It's important, and uh, I look forward to the future of spending more time with you on the podcast. All right. You tell your uh, wife hello, and we will be in touch. Thank you. Take care. Andy Fee, third-year athletic director, Long Beach State. He's already won two national championships for men's volleyball. Allen's season canceled this spring. But you know what? As he said, we'll just run it back next spring. We'll look for the third. Let's get back to basketball. Joining me is UC Irvine men's basketball coach, Russ Turner. Russ, we are talking, but... You know we should be in Sacramento at the Golden One Center together, either hanging out with a winner or loss. <laughs> I mean, could, could uh, last Sunday, could they have just announced the 68th field team on Sunday? Hey, man, you know, I'm, I don't want to argue with anybody about that. I guess they could have. Um, but given what the country's facing, um, I understand the decisions that have been made, and I accept those. And I've been really proud of my players for accepting them too. You know, we, uh, I think all have a lot to be thankful for. And uh, my players have shown some real maturity and I think we'll benefit from uh, this time that didn't go the way we wanted. Um, we easily could have gotten beaten the first round of the tournament, you know, playing Long Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're all disappointed not to play that, not to have a chance to win it, not to have a chance to validate what we did in the regular season. But uh, I think we're all appropriately now focused on, how we can be a strong community and how we can take care of our families. It, it's definitely grown into a pandemic. When it first was announced, I was actually with John Smith, uh, with Cal Poly. We were at um, an event and this whole thing trickled down uh, with Rudy Gobert getting it. And you being in the NBA, the way Adam Silver handled it, the reassuring voice, uh, the, the health panel behind them. Do you think Mark Emmerich, did the right thing and, and, and how he did it, his time. Well, I think it had to be done. Um, that, that much was clear to me just based on the reactions of my players mm-hmm. to what had happened in the NBA. There was a genuine fear among kids who were aware uh, that there was a life-threatening communicable disease that we could potentially be exposed to. Uh, that's just rational thought from reasonable people. So, uh, once that was out there, it didn't seem like to me there was any choice but to cancel the events. Um, the NBA got it right. The Big West got it right. Um, and, and I think that's the way it should have happened. Um, my team was in the – we were actually in the Honda Center for shoot-around because the cancellation hadn't happened. Uh, we went for our shoot-around the morning that we were scheduled to play. And uh, yet I told my team that I fully expected things to be canceled. And so I was pleased with um, – our ability to be able to be together one more time and shoot around and then, uh, and then handle that, that decision when it came down the way that we did. 
Coach, you get another day to coach. Your players get another day to play. The impact on the seniors, I feel, uh, and, and I guess the leadership of Evan, uh, you know, works you, Tommy, and John, th- those, they're not going to be able to live that one shiny moment or walk off that court. Um, although you can kind of highlight my audience and followers on it, you almost did have your little one shiny moment at the end of the Honda Center when you, when you got word and you canceled it. Didn't you guys uh, find some scissors? Yeah, well, we did that, but um, but I told him before, uh, you know, that we before we did that, that it was probably going to be the last time we were together. Um, so that's hard. I mean, it, it is hard for the seniors, especially, and I understand everybody's thought process in feeling for those kids. I do too. I mean, there's no question that when your athletics career comes to a close, there's um, you know, there's a lot of emotion to that, a lot of the introspection that's, that's required. You know, what I know is that for just about every team you lose at the end. And uh, in this case, nobody lost at the end. And so in some ways that's better, but uh, in other ways it's not as good because you don't get to go out you know, on your sword, so to speak uh, to complain about any of that though, I, I think loses sight of the big picture. And uh, I was really proud of the maturity that, that my guys showed overall, you know, it's a difficult situation to deal with for everybody. That just tells me your identity of the team. We talk about that a lot. You know, you're looking to build that toughness, and that's what UC Irvine built in the Big West. But you have that senior leadership, and you can rely on them, uh, and and it comes from you. So I I appreciate that. You know, um, you UCL UC Irvine. Let's not even talk about basketball. They canceled graduation, first time ever. Yes, unprecedented times. I mean, your kids are home remote probably for the rest of the year, like my kids. I mean, this yeah. is big time. How are you communicating with your team or staying involved with them during these times? Well, I think we've built trust with our team uh, by being honest with them, just as we were through this, uh, you know, through this pandemic crisis with the Big West. I mean, um, what I think that that we do well in our program is that we we keep it real, and and sometimes that's real positive, and sometimes that's real negative, but we're always honest. And there's a strength in that. You know, it's a much um, more impactful thing that graduation was canceled than that the Big West tournament was canceled or the NSA tournament was canceled. So, you know, having that perspective is uh, is something I'm grateful to have. You know, my wife's a doctor and, you know, she works in intensive care units. So she sees this crisis up close. That enables me to have, I think, a better overall perspective. And if I can transfer that to my players, then that makes our program stronger. My podcast focuses on high school students and parents and obviously uh, students that are going to college on the college search and admission process, giving that advice and, and insight rather than, you know, uh, a college counselor trying to sell the program. What advice do you have for not only student athletes, but for students that are listening that are going through the process of selecting and finding the college? Yeah, great question. Um I would say that the number one thing I would say is that, uh, that I was a division three student and athlete. And, um, and what I've, what's been interesting for me to see in Southern California is how many people look at that as some sort of, um, I don't know, not defeat, but, uh, something that's less than, uh, I, I know very well that it's not, I know that there's great opportunities at every level, um, division one, division two, division three, NAIA junior college, uh, I think the important thing for young kids and parents to figure out is, 
where a, a student is in his development and where can he most likely go and succeed. Uh, that was a great thing for me is that I went to a place where I, I could succeed and I did that and I continued to grow. Um, what I know is that no one should expect that uh, their, their decision about a school to be the most important decision that exists in their life. It might feel like that for a kid at that age, but there's a lot more critical decisions to come. Um, and I had that same conversation at Stanford when we had some of the best of the best. When I coached there, we had kids who came to Stanford and they thought they had made it. And the reality is, no, you hadn't made it. You just uh, made it through a door that creates another opportunity. And I think you get to uh, create those opportunities at any place you choose. And as long as you place, choose a place that you feel good about and that feels good about you, then uh, great things are possible. Russ, you just reiterated and confirmed a lot what I talk about on my podcast of forget about the sweatshirt brand schools. And we know what we're talking about, right? Especially here in Southern California, the UCLA's, the USC's. You are the all-time leading scorer at a Division Three, Hampton, Sydney, and Virginia. When you picked that college, I'm sure you had a lot of other opportunities and options. Why did you select that school in Virginia? Yeah, mainly because the coach recruited me and uh, and he wanted me. And, uh, you know, I went there and I felt pretty good about it. I mean, I was a 17-year-old kid. I was really young when I graduated. And so it was not um, a process that I can look back with precision on. I mean, I just kind of just did it. And what I say in recruiting a lot of times is that I think some kind of kids are going to succeed wherever they end up. And then some kind of kids are going to be unhappy wherever they end up. Um that's what I did was I, I make it, made a choice and made it work. And I feel like that's kind of what I've been doing my whole life. And um, that's, that's what I hope my own kids will be able to do. You know, I'm not going to have strong advice for them about where they go to school. Um, you know, the name brand schools are great places and you can have a great experience there. But what I know is you can have a great experience just about anywhere. When you're in the family room of uh, kids and talking to the parents, recruiting a student, what are you telling them about UC Irvine? Let's talk about UC Irvine now. I don't think I've had anyone on uh, from UC Irvine on my podcast. Uh, what, how do you sell UC Irvine? Mainly the, the people at, at UC Irvine have a great experience. Uh, the, the students um, who come to UCI have a great experience. And there's a world-class reputation for our education that gets attached to what we do. I think we're uh, in pursuit of excellence in every area. And that's no different for us in basketball. And when people come to our campus, I think they see um, that everything that, that we promote about this place um, is honest. And, you know, when they're around our, our athletes or our students, they see that most of them are happy and have a great experience. And so um, there's a lot of solidity in our place uh, that I'm proud of. I feel like we are in a position now in basketball and as a university where we can recruit honestly. And uh, not every place is able to do that. Well, UC Irvine is definitely a school, high academics. You have uh, built your identity with the basketball team. I love following you. Uh, we've gone great road trips. I want to thank you for joining. It's difficult times not playing this year, but when things get back to normal, um, not only do I have to have you in studio, we could talk more stories, but you and I have to go to our Havana place, right? Yeah, some other yeah, coaches. yeah. Let's I look forward we to can't it. do that now we can we, we can't even do that now i can't you have so much time off i can go rest let's go let's go um hang out at havana we can't do that 
Hey, I can have a beer in my backyard. I'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> we could we could do a virtual drinking, right? Yeah, uh, we could. We could. You make sure you uh, take care of Liz, Devlin, and Darius, and I know everybody's home. Uh, stay healthy, stay safe, and thank you again for joining. Love you, guys. All right, man. Thanks to you, to you too, Father. Keep your people safe as well. All right. Talk to you soon. All right, man. Bye-bye. And that was Russ Turner, UC Irvine men's basketball coach, who I predicted was going to win the Big West tournament and actually have a ticket punched playing in Sacramento at the Golden One Center. We are living in extraordinary and unsettling times with the coronavirus, COVID-19, global pandemic still taking shape in the U.S. and all of us experience dramatic changes to our daily lives. I want to let you know that I'm thinking of you and hope your loved ones are safe and well. I want to thank my executive producer, Murph Cargis. Thank you to my listeners and new followers. Hopefully we get more followers after this March Sadness episode. Thank you for today's guests, Frank Burleson, John Smith, Seth Greenberg, Andy Fee, and Russ Turner. Go out and support your local restaurants. Those are all my corporate sponsors. Yes, we're going to throw out sessions, the meat place on 17th Street. We're going to put out La Mesa, right? And we're going to put out Trenta. Go out and visit them. Tell them Fonger sent you. For now, my March Sadness episode, 2020, Fonger News, out.